the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the Allworth Law Firm. Lamentations 521 tells us, Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Almost everyone is dealing with recovery of some sort. It could be from addiction, pain, divorce, sin, separation, depression, job loss, or being stuck in the cycle of shame, guilt, and destructive behavior. Recovery through a relationship with Jesus Christ is the foundation of healing and growing anew. Listen as Pastor Allworth shares how the healing power of a personal relationship with Christ has turned his life around, will help you and your loved ones recover and be restored in his name. God wants you to walk out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Keep listening. Recovery Through Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Baron, Baron Cheek, and I am covering for Pastor John Allworth this evening as he is preaching at our home church, New Covenant Church up in Humble, Texas. Uh, so he invited me today to come in and give a message. And so I want, I want to say I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody who's tuned in right now. Tonight we're going to have a, have a opening prayer. And then we're going to talk a little bit about discipline obedience. Discipline and obedience. And what does that mean to us, especially in recovery ministry, for those of us who have walked on some of the darker paths in life, we sometimes find that we need more discipline discipline and obedience than the average person due to the fact that uh, we need to walk a, a stronger walk with the Lord. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Father, I just want to thank you for each and every person that can hear my voice right now. We pray, Lord, that this message is yours and not my own. Pray, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit to dig down into our minds and our hearts and our lives and to transform us, Lord. We pray for the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for being our God and our Father and our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's get started. What does it look like, discipline and obedience in the walk of faith? What does that look like in our lives to, to do a faith uh, with a discipline and obedience? Let's start with kind of a big picture. In the 1930s through 1950s, America was a little bit different looking type of a nation. It was a little bit more God-fearing nation. And not that it was perfect. There were a lot of things that had to be addressed and had to be fixed. But overall, most families went to church. And people prayed at the table before they uh, ate. And then kids said their prayers at night before they went to bed. Uh, we were uh, God was written into the Bill of Rights and One Nation Under God, and then God We Trust was on the dollar bill. So things were a little bit different back then. You could seal a, a contract with a handshake, and you were known by your reputation, and your reputation many times followed you wherever you went. And again, not that it was perfect, but things were definitely different than they are now. Uh, basically, what started to happen is that we started to lose our discipline and our obedience. We started to lose touch with God and our, our godly values and our godly morals. That happened a lot in the 1970s as we went through the sexual revolution. And then we had a hard time recalibrating our moral compasses to being a God-fearing nation and basically became a, 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 a God-absent nation. 
Uh, a lot of believers are saying this is kind of what we've seen as a downward spiral for the last 30 years. So anyway, let's move on to Matthew fifteen eight through 9. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. And so that's kind of where we're starting to see now. We're starting to see a lot of people don't know a strong walk of faith. And a lot of people don't know what it is to be a Bible-fearing nation, a Bible-fearing man, a Bible-fearing family. And it doesn't know what that means to have the moral compass directed straight towards God and godly values and God's holiness and God's righteousness, how we live and how we act and how we breathe. Now, one thing I know about discipline and obedience is that it's involved in anything that you want to do successfully, whether it be work, whether it be athletics, whether it be hobbies. You have to have a certain amount of discipline and obedience in order to be successful and to make it work. For instance, I've always been involved in fitness since the time I was in high school. And when I'm consistent in the gym and I do the routine that I'm supposed to and follow it with the diet that I'm supposed to, I'm successful. I can start to see the results begin to happen. I start to get in good shape. When I get away from that and I become inconsistent with my discipline and obedience in the gym, then it starts to falter. I start to lose cardiovascular abilities. I start to gain weight. I start to look like I don't you can't really tell that I go to the gym too much anymore. So with that being said, that's my example of what I can relate to as far as discipline and obedience. But even with work, you have to have discipline and obedience towards your work ethic, your job description in order to be successful at work. Pretty much anything you do, you have to apply yourself. You have to have a a regimentation that you stick to in order to make it work. In your walk of faith, it's actually even kind of more important And discipline and obedience are a huge thing with God. He addressed this a lot in the Old Testament with the Israelites. They had said, you know, you need to be careful to keep my commands, keep my ways, and stay close to me. Do not do as the pagans do, is what he told the Israelites. As you go into these foreign lands, make sure you keep my ways. Do not start to take on the ways of the people that you've conquered. And a lot of times that applies to us, being in recovery ministry, as we go forth and as God begins to deliver us and transform us, we have to be careful not to, to take those ways back. We have to be careful not to transgress into what we were before. And that takes discipline and obedience. Now let's take a closer look at what that might look like. First of all, John fifteen nine, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And what that means is that the more you're disciplined and obedient to walk in your faith and stay close to the Lord, he will stay close to you. That's one thing about the Lord. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. When you start to go back to other worldly ways of thinking is when you begin to transgress, you begin to backslide. You start to think, well, maybe it's not so important that I stay in my faith. Maybe it's not so important that I stay close. I mean, I'm doing okay right now, right? It also says, do not give the enemy a foothold. And what that means is when you start to open the door to complacent thinking, you're going to start to go gray. You're going to start to turn from a very solid faith into a complacent faith. You're going to start to let the enemy back in again, and then pretty soon, before you know it, you're going to be overwhelmed and back where you began. You're going to lose your ground. Much like the Israelites, after God took them out of the promised land and delivered them into the land of milk and honey, they took on the ways of the the people they conquered Uh, It was actually Solomon 
many times that started to listen to the wives, many of the wives that he married, and started to help them worship their gods and build temples to their gods. And that's when we, we see in the Old Testament Israel started to backslide and started to transgress, and pretty soon they lost everything God gave them. They lost the promised land. They fell right straight back into captivity. And that's what we see happen a lot of times in recovery ministry is that once you gain ground, you have to maintain it. How do you maintain it? By staying close to the Lord. We're going to talk about some more detailed ways that you can apply discipline and obedience to your faith and to your walk so that you can be successful in staying close to the Lord and keep the ground that that you've covered, keep the ground that you've gained with the Lord, that the Lord has delivered you to. Number one that we have here is, number one, build your altar. And what that means is that something significant happened between the Old and New Testament. Jesus Christ was born, and what that means is even his name, that means Emmanuel, Christ in us. That means the Holy Spirit. We no longer have to be sanctified Levitical priests to go into the presence of God. Each one of you, when you gave your life to Christ and said, Lord Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, you gained the Holy Spirit. Now, please, take some time to read about this. The best chapters to read about this are the Gospel of John 14, 15, and 16, where it talks, I must go so that when he, the counselor, comes, he will lead you into the truth. He will lead you into all truth. He is the counselor. He makes known to you what is mine. We all have the Holy Spirit, and the thing is to is to nurture that Holy Spirit by a powerful sense of worship. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. You know, one thing that I've noticed is that Our country and most Christians believe, and they're right, I'm not thinking thinking against it, I'm not talking against it, but think that they're right to go to church every Sunday. And that's true, because the Word says, do not forsake the gathering. But what about the other six days? What about the days that we're not in church? Who are we then? Who is that man in the mirror when you're not in church? Because Sunday is a day where we go for corporate worship, but you have the Holy Spirit in you, each day after that, Monday through Friday, and even Saturday. So what does that look to build your altar and have worship? You know, one thing I noticed in the Old Testament is it wasn't about going to church. It really doesn't talk to it. It doesn't say go to church every Sunday. It doesn't make sure, hey, make sure you're seen in church every Sunday with all the other people. It says, and they worshiped the Lord. When you read through the Old Testament, countless times it says, and they worshiped the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. He didn't say he went to church that Sunday. They said, and they worshiped the Lord. They had much more reverence towards the Lord back then. They were very reverent about how they lived. In fact, even one time, uh, David was in a church and he was running from Saul and he talked to the priest and he says, your men can eat this bread as long as they've had no relations with women. So back then, God is a God of order. It was shown then about how the men acted. And he said, yes, they can eat. These men have had no relations with women. So that shows that there was reverence towards God and his order to be disciplined to say, hey, you know, we, 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 we're okay right now. We're, we're covering this. We've got this. So with that saying, build your altar. What does your worship look like? One thing I've noticed is that you have to, I strongly recommend you take a look reading the Word. You have to read the Word. You have to read the Word. I recommend every single day. Have your time that you set aside with the Lord. To I do it in the morning. Most people, most believers I know, wake up in the morning, they have that morning cup of coffee, and they have that Bible time. I also turn on my YouTube, and I listen to my favorite songs from uh, different Christian bands, and I have my own worship, my own worship service there, where I'm in prayer, where I pray in the Spirit, 
and where then after that, about 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long the Spirit moves, then I move into reading the Word and get the Word of God and get the Word of the Lord because it says the Word of the Lord is, is true and active. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was with God in the beginning. The Bible is not like a newspaper. It's not like a magazine. These are ancient scriptures, the inspired Word of God through men who gave their lives to serve the Lord. And it is given down and passed down through generations to you and me to help guide us, to let us know that there's a living God out there. All you have to do is open the book and read the Word, open the Bible and read the Holy Word of God and let it transform you. Meditate upon it. Pray upon it. And I don't recommend that you start. I could, some people may get mad at me about this, but I don't recommend that you start in Genesis and work through Genesis and work all the way through. I recommend that you start possibly in, in the gospel, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and have a Bible where the words of Jesus are in red so you can see and meditate upon what he was saying there and what it meant. I'd also recommend, and one thing that I did that's just started to change my life was that uh, I did five Psalms per day for 30 days. Every day I read five psalms, and I challenge you to do the same thing. If, you're not, if you don't really know where to open up your Bible and read, start with the five-psalm challenge. Just read in there. And what you're going to be astonished by is that these people, David mostly, prayed prayers that are very similar to the prayers that I prayed. I mean, it's amazing that this man that lived 3,000 years ago had almost the exact same type of prayers that I've prayed. This is a man who loved the Lord, followed the Lord, was in contact with the Lord. So number one, build your altar. Build your worship. What does your worship look like? Reading the Word in the morning, having your special time set aside for God, and remembering that you have the Holy Spirit in you seven days a week, 24-7, 365. You are able to commune with God. You're able to sit down in prayer and have spontaneous prayers. Learn to delight in the Lord. Learn to delight in reading the Word. Learn to understand and feel God's communion. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul spirit and of joint and marrow and is a discernment and is a discernment discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so learn to delight in the lord through spontaneous prayer draw near to the lord and he will draw near to you what does number 2 look like separate from the world Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, you are a child of God. So what does that look like? Number one, you have to separate the world. It says right there, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You are holy. You are a child of God. What does holy mean? It means set apart, consecrated. It belongs to God. It does not belong to the world. You are no longer in the world. When you gave your life to Christ, you basically said, okay, I can no longer walk with the world, think like the world, do like the world. I cannot do what they say to do. You are set apart. You have a different agenda. You have God's will behind you. God created you for a purpose. Your job is now to pursue, find, and find, and, and fulfill that purpose that the Lord has given you. So there is no more, you know, relating to the world or understanding how it thinks. Many believers in this day and age don't have a problem with it at all because this world has been in such a downward spiral. It's like, wow, I can no longer relate to this world. I can no longer understand the way it talks, the way it thinks, the things that it agrees with. I just can't do it. I can't swallow the pill that the world is trying to feed me. And so separate from the world 
is part of your, your, your act of worship, your discipline and obedience. You can't go to the places you used to go to. You can't celebrate in the ways that the world celebrates anymore. You can't celebrate the things the world celebrates anymore. You are a child of God. You are set apart. You are a stranger in this world. And that means that you have to find fellowship with other like-minded, spirit-filled believers. You have to find fellowship with other children of God, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have to recalibrate your social life. You have to surround yourself with people who are going to support you. You can't hang out anymore in those places you used to go. You can't think like you used to think. You have to renew your mind. So you have to leave the world and its agenda behind. And don't think like them and do not do like them. As Jesus told the Israelites, do not do as the pagans do. James 4.4, 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And let me tell you, from my past, I've been involved in recovery ministry for about seven, eight years, maybe a little bit longer. But with the life that I had before, it was I was very much in the world. I was very much doing what the world does, doing the things that the world calls fun, celebrating the things that the world celebrates. But once I walked in my faith and started to really truly walk in my faith and develop a discipline, I noticed that the Lord transformed me, changed me, redirected me. And now I look back at who I was in the world, and honestly, I don't, I don't enjoy giving my testimony because honestly, I look back as like, wow, how could I be that person? How could I be that man? How could I do this? Man, my Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was ever that way. You got to remember, this prince of the, the prince of this world wants to destroy you. He wants to keep you from being what God created you to be. He wants to keep you from finding your purpose and what you are in Christ. He wants you to never be satisfied with what God made you to be. So you will always keep yourself there in the ways of the world. Number three, crucify the flesh and follow the prompts of the Holy Spirit. Learn to have communion with the Holy Spirit. Learn what the Holy Spirit's voice sounds like so that you are in touch with your counselor that Jesus promised through John 13, 14, 15. Galatians 5, 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So, so, so you're not, excuse me, they're in conflict with each other so that you cannot be what you want. So you have to constantly, daily, crucify the flesh, crucify the sinful nature, that self-gratifying nature, to please self, to do the carnal things of this world, to take pleasure in the carnal pleasures, to appease the flesh. And what that means is that many of us who have been involved uh, in recovery ministry, we have a past where it's like, wow, you know, I used to enjoy things. I used to revel in this spirit of lust. I used to go to places where where I would be able to gratify the spirit of lust. I used to go in and chase women. I used to go and have different girlfriends that I was not committed to. I used to go out there and, and pursue, you know, the, the, the gratifying desires of the flesh. And what I found is it's never satisfied. It is never satisfied. Other people have found this too, whether it's drugs or alcohol or lust or greed. It is never satisfied. There is never enough to satisfy the flesh. And that's what actually leads to us many times destroying our lives, destroying ourselves, pursuing things that will never 
fulfill us. Never give us what we need. You have to learn to crucify the flesh. You learn to have to keep the, le- the flesh submitted. As you grow in your faith, you're going to learn more about yourself, your weaknesses, your strengths, how to build up the spirit man, how to crucify the flesh, what you look like when you're suffering with the sinful nature, what you look like when you're strong in the spirit and you're pleasing to the Lord, when you're walking in his holiness and you're righteous in his righteousness, you'll see yourself in a different light. You'll see the world in a different light. You'll learn to see through spiritual eyes as the Holy Spirit prompts you to see things and perceive things in a different way. And that's very important. It's very important to clean the inside of of the the vessel, of yourself. It's important to build up the spirit, man. It's important, as as we see, where Jesus even talked, he says, clean the inside of the cup, and the outside will be clean also. It talks about vessels of noble and ignoble purposes. It also says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So that means that the inside of you, what is on the inside of you? Sometimes I think about a package, when you open up a package. Sometimes, you know, when I'm out there working, and I work in the profession, in a professional world in the, in the medical industry, a lot of people are wearing suits as, as sales reps. A lot of people are wearing um, uh, scrubs. You see these doctors and such, and they're, they're, very, they're very prim and proper. But you wonder sometimes when you shake hands with somebody, they look like a professional, but what's going on in their private lives? What's going on in the places that people don't see? What's going on in the places that people don't know? What's going on inside this package? If I open up this package, what will the inside of that vessel look like? What will the inside of that cup look like? And that's why it's part of your worship to clean the inside of the cup so that the outside will be clean also. Pray to the Lord. Come to the altar and put those things up on the altar to crucify those fleshly things. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's too much alcohol. Maybe it's anger issues. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe there's a deep sense of anger due to unforgiveness. That stuff has to clean. You have to clean the inside of the cup so that you can be a righteous man and have powerful and effective prayers. Righteous man or woman, a child of God, so that you can have powerful and effective prayers. Those are the type of people that the Lord uses to go and do the work that he has for us to do and to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. So you have to learn to crucify the flesh and and submit it so that the package, the inside of the vessel, you and your spirit man are clean and pure and holy. Are you going to be perfect? No, that is not what this is about. It's not that you're to be perfect, but your faith and your spirit can be strong, strong in the Lord, able to do the vessels, able to be a vessel of noble purposes, able to be held to high regard to do the hard things that God has for us to do and be what he was created, he created you to be. And that's where you start to shine. That's where God uses you to do these things that he has for you to do. It's always a battle with the flesh and the spirit. If you're growing in the flesh, you're weak in the spirit. If you're strong in the spirit, your flesh is weak. They're always going to be fighting each other. It's a daily battle. So those are the three disciplines and obediences, disciplines and obedience that we covered. Number one, build your altar. What does your worship look like? Do you give time to God? Do you make space for him in your life? Number two, separate from the world. You have to consider yourself a child of God. You're no longer part of the world. You can't think like the world. You can't do like the world. You can't believe like the world. You have to recalibrate your social life. Do not be unequally yoked with people of the world. Be careful, you know, 
how deeply you get involved with people who don't think like you do, who don't believe you like you do. Does that mean you're better than them? No, you're different, but you are different. You're a stranger in this world. You cannot do what they do. Do not do as the pagans do in the old days, like it says. You are set apart. You are set aside. You are holy. So number one, build your altar. Refine your worship. Make a powerful worship. Number two, separate yourself from the world. You're a child of God. Recognize it and build on that. Number three, crucify the flesh and follow the prompts of the Holy Spirit. Learn to follow the Spirit. Build up your spirit, man, and crucify the flesh so that the flesh is weakened and so that you learn to be in touch with the Spirit. So you see the world with spiritual eyes, so you're more in tune with God and so that your flesh is weakened and you no longer follow the desires of the flesh. After you do that for a period of time, you will know yourself, notice yourself beginning to grow. You will become a powerful child of God. I pray for each and every one of you. I thank you for listening tonight. I hope you will join us next week. Praise you, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for this message. You've been listening you to evening. Recovery Jesus Through Christ. Name. Amen. Listen again next Wednesday at 530. If you missed any of this show, you can catch the podcast at kkht.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.